Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Been There, Done That podcast. We're back after a week off here in episode number 28, which makes this your Marshall Falk episode. A little bit of a throwback. Shout out Marshall Falk, episode 28 of the Been There, Done That podcast. What do you say we get into it? I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving break. I know I did. Um, And I am excited to be back and getting after it. So here's what we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to talk about. First up, I do want to do a quick little recap of my Thanksgiving, tell you what happened, a few big things going on, fun stuff going on. Um, I'd like to give it a little recap of the Chiefs and the Eagles, since I didn't have an episode last week. I do want to talk about it just for a couple minutes and um, go over some things that I wanted to share with you. Uh, another quick little recap of the Chiefs versus the Raiders, um, a bit more of a fun one couple days ago and some takeaways from that one and then I would also like to take some time and go over uh, just a more big picture you know playoff picture and go over the contenders and the pretenders so um, I'm going to break down some of that a little bit later and then I want to wrap up with some college football um, college football playoff rankings so the new rankings that came out last night um, what they mean, what to expect of this upcoming championship weekend, um, hopefully some good games. And then, of course, at the very end, we will wrap it all up with the office quote of the week, as per usual. So what do you say we jump on into it? Starting off with my Thanksgiving break, it was great. I believe I left my house on Wednesday to take care of something at the bank or UPS or something. And I don't think I left my house again until Sunday at around noon when I left to come back to Hot Springs. And I got to say, it was a great time. So, I mean, what's that? Three plus days, almost four days without leaving my house in Kansas City. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> really. Just ate great food. Pretty unhealthy, but it was still very good. Um, and... The reality is a big part of the reason I didn't leave is from 11.30 a.m. on Thursday, there was football on until the minute I left on Sunday. And honestly, I was tempted to just stay all day Sunday as well and keep watching more football. Um, But I know that would have been irresponsible. So I watched football basically from 11.30 a.m. on on Thanksgiving Day on, on Thursday until the minute I left on Sunday at noon. And even then, I still had... NFL Red Zone pulled up on my phone, and I was listening to it on my drive. Um, so I basically watched football all day on Sunday, even while I wasn't watching it. I'm a, I'm a safe driver, but I, I had it plugged in. I was listening to it the whole way back. I mean, just the, all, until I got back at the very end of the day. Um, so, again, just nonstop football watching over Thanksgiving break starting on, on Thursday. And I think we can all agree it was probably highlighted. Well, number one, watching Missouri beat down Arkansas – on Friday was pretty fun, but the reality is there weren't very many good games, both on Thanksgiving Day and on the following Friday, on Black Friday, there weren't too many great games, but Saturday had some very good games, obviously, Michigan-Ohio State was a good one, Alabama-Auburn, another classic in the the Iron Bowl, uh, and and just, there were a ton of really good games on Saturday that just kind of kept me on the couch the whole time, and it was, you know, as what else can you ask for on Thanksgiving break, you know, so... And of course, in addition to that, I think maybe the the biggest thing that I did over Thanksgiving break was I bought a truck. Um, on the Monday before Thanksgiving, I 
went to a, a dealership in Kansas City. And I'm, uh, you know what? I actually found the day before on Auto Trader. Uh, this is free advertisement for them, so you're welcome. I found one and I came across a, a truck. I've been kind of in the market the last couple months looking for one. Something a little bit bigger than the Camry I had been driving for four plus years. Uh, and I found one that I liked and it was in my price range. It was in my mileage range that I was looking for. And it had Apple CarPlay. And those were basically the three things that I was looking for in my new truck. And I got it. And so I got a, a pretty solid deal. Got myself a truck, a 2020 Chevy Silverado. And I love it. I got to be honest. I, I, I drove it back from Kansas City back down to Hot Springs this past weekend. I've been driving it around the last couple of days. And I really do love it. It's definitely bigger than the Camry. It's a little bit harder to maneuver into some tight spaces here and there. But at the end of the day, I'm, you know, it's much more comfortable than what I had. And it's just more up, updated. And um, really the first big purchase like that big that I think I've ever had. Uh, but it was well worth it here a week and a half after, you know, after and after a big road trip. I can definitely say it was worth it. So big fan of that. Um of my new truck. I mean, new for me, the truck isn't new, but, uh, you know, new for me. So all that to say big, you know, exciting Thanksgiving break. And I'm looking forward to Christmas break one, just cause it's Christmas and it's great, but also I get to drive my truck all the way back to Kansas city, um, and go on another road trip with it. So excited, you know, but enough about me, enough about my Thanksgiving. I think it's time we talk some ball, shall we? So first up, I want to do a quick little recap of the Chiefs-Eagles because I didn't get to a week ago. Um, as we know, the Eagles came out victorious, 21-17. Uh, pretty good game. They went back and forth a lot of the night. Um, Chiefs started out pretty well. They're up 10 and a half and then didn't score in the second half. You know, those are those are the facts. Um, you know, some of the more big, big facts you're probably going to hear a lot more about. But here are some of the other facts that most people in the media don't want you to know. Okay. Um, total first downs, Chiefs 23, Eagles 16. Um, total yards, Chiefs 336, Eagles 238. Um, total drives were the same, but the Chiefs gained 100 more yards. Um, Chiefs had 40 more passing yards, 168 to 124. Um, yards per pass, the Eagles were actually a little higher. The Chiefs threw it quite a bit, um, you know, but five drops will will skew that a little bit. Um, one of the big ones here, the sack numbers. The Eagles were sacked five times for 26 yards compared to the Chiefs' one sack for nine yards. And it was honestly, it was it was on the first play of the game, and that was it. After that first play when Hassan Reddick got the sack on Mahomes, they never got to him again. So... Five sacks to one in favor of the Chiefs. Uh, rushing, I think, may have actually been the biggest point, uh, a thing that surprised me, because all I ever hear about is how good of a rushing team the Eagles are. But the Chiefs outrushed them both in yards and yards per attempt. Right, The, the Chiefs rush, ran for 168 yards um, at a 5.6 yards per rush, where the Eagles ran for 114 yards at 4.2 yards per rush. And that... You know the, the the Eagles had were the best defend or they were best at defending the run in the NFL before that they were allowing sixty six yards per game and the Chiefs had a hundred at halftime, you know, and the penalties were almost identical. Um, both teams had seven penalties 
uh, Eagles were penalized for 61 yards, Chiefs for 55. Um, there were both both sides. There were a few ticky tack calls, and I, like it wasn't great officiating, but I think it was evenly un you know officiated poorly. If that makes sense, I think both teams had a couple calls go there in their favor that probably shouldn't have, and vice versa. Um, and so I don't really think the officiating affected the outcome of the game in that way. And so at the end of the day, you look at all these numbers and I think what really stands out is the chiefs were, the chiefs dominated the the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. The chiefs were better on the offensive and defensive line all night Um, for a team for the Eagles. Again, that the narrative is that the Eagles are tough, you know, hard nose, run the football. They have this great and deep defensive line and the best offensive line in the league and all that. Yet the chiefs were still better on both the offensive and defensive line pretty much all night long. And all the numbers back that up, the eye test back backs that up. That's really just a fact, you know, which is encouraging for the Chiefs. The 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 two big issues in the Chiefs for that one, for the Chiefs in that one, um, were I think pretty obvious. Obviously the drops. You know, when you have five drops, some some of the, you know, some drops are getting credited. It could be more in the ballpark of six or seven, depending on how you look at it. But officially, I think it went down as five drops in that game. Of course, the one to MVS that could have put them in the lead. And then the, the next play on fourth and however long, right through the hands of Justin Watson, who had maybe the, his worst game ever. And so, you know, we're all aware the Chiefs dropped the ball literally and metaphorically, figuratively in that one the point if they if they catch you know two of those five drops they probably win the game um but i think the bigger issue the one that is honestly has been more looming maybe all year was the turnovers and it, it's not some it's not something like mvs on a screen pass fumbled the ball no it was it was the two, the chiefs two best offensive players with with some bad turnovers right mahomes had the the first half interception the one where he just did not throw it and he it was not a good throw there's no way around it. He made a, a bad, he missed a, missed a throw, and uh, Kevin Byard came up and picked it. And then, of course, later in the game, Travis Kelsey had his, his one yearly fumble that comes in the worst possible time that cost the team a game. It happened against the Bengals last year, and it happened this year against the Eagles when they were in the red zone. And ultimately, you know, if if he doesn't fumble there, the Chiefs are moving the ball, and I think they go in and score. And the Chiefs at that point in the third, it was either third or fourth quarter, are then up two scores, and it's a completely different game. And so, you know, the Chiefs, they have the issues with the receivers at that point, obviously. That's no secret. But we've talked about this before. It's the same group they had last year, you know, minus Juju, add in Rasheed Rice. Uh, And when you look at the numbers right now, you could make the argument the Chiefs actually upgraded with that. Um, but the big the big thing really there is turnovers. If the Chiefs' two best players don't turn the ball over, Chiefs win the game. They, they were the better team all night besides those two plays is what it came down to. And, you know, they held A.J. Brown to one catch for eight yards. You know, they they outran the Eagles. They outpassed the Eagles. They, they had more sacks than the Eagles. Everything about it was better besides those two singular plays, which were enough to be the difference. Um, and so again, you got to tip the cap to the Eagles. They didn't make the big mistakes that the chiefs did. And that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know? So I walk away from the game feeling relatively encouraged because I don't think, well, number one, if they, if they are, if they play again, it means something went right because they're in the super bowl and I'm not going to be that upset if the chiefs are in the super bowl again. Um, but again, just 
in terms of the matchup for these two teams. I think they are pretty evenly matched. We've seen that in the last two years. Two two games been have been decided by a total of one point. You know, or their their margin of victories combined one point in the last two games. Um, so they're evenly matched for sure. And I think there's these are for sure the two best teams in football. And again, I, I walk away rel you know as as encouraged as he can be after a loss, given the fact that the, the Eagles now. After this week, are ten and one, and pretty widely accepted as the best team in football. And the Chiefs were, were really better than them on that night. They just two two plays that they with pretty egregious mistakes is all it came down to. And my thing all year has been I don't expect that to be. I don't expect the the reigning MVP, two time MVP, two time Super Bowl champion, uh, and Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes to make those same mistakes in the playoffs. I don't see it happening. I, but between him and Kelsey, the way they elevate their game, I mean, I've mentioned this before too, Travis Kelsey's number two all-time in playoff yards, catches, and touchdowns. I think they're going to figure it out. I'm not too worried about Mahomes and Kelsey. <laughs> you know, a couple of tough plays in a regular season game, you know, they're going to get better. And if if it's, you take those two plays out, no interception, no fumble, they probably win. And that's what I expect moving forward in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> so from there, another quick little Chiefs versus Raiders recap. Uh, this one, this game really went kind of the opposite of the way most of the rest of the Chiefs games have gone this year. And most games, they they get out to a great start. They have their scripted plays at the beginning of the game that they go to, and it works really well. And then they kind of just stumble their way through the finish line. But in this one... Boy, did they try a different approach. I mean, that was maybe the worst quarter of football that we've ever seen. One of the worst quarters that we've seen from the Chiefs all year. Um, just brutal. You know, Aiden O'Connell, they were perfect on third down on that first drive. They moved the ball. They looked, I mean, just looked like the Chiefs couldn't stop them. Um, but as we know, things turned around a bit. Uh, after the Raiders got out to a 14-0 lead, turned around. Chiefs went on a 31-3 run after that and won the game 31-17. And it definitely, you know, I think it, it brought us back to the, the Chiefs offense of last year of of being one of the best units in the league. Uh, now, I, I get it's with a grain of salt because it's the Raiders. But keep in mind, this is a team that they at that point, I mean, only one game under 500, I, I believe. I'd have to check the, or they may have been 500. I have to double check the standings. But they, they were not, I mean, they're not like mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And they had just fired their coach a couple weeks ago. And it, for whatever they really did not like him at all, and their new interim coach has brought a certain type, a certain type of energy and life that they didn't have before. And this team had been playing pretty well the past couple of weeks compared to typical Raiders standards, and and it was on their home field, and, and all that. And the Chiefs came in and really just made it their home the way it always has been. Um, I saw a funny stat today that Mahomes and Andy Reid are, are tied with a few other quarterback coach combinations for the most wins ever at Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play. All right, John Gruden and Derek Carr won four games there together. I believe it was McDaniels and Garoppolo won four total games there together. And now Mahomes and Reed have won four total games there together. So, I mean, how funny is that? <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, that being said, the obviously the game turned around very quickly. Uh, and another fun little note, a fun little stat for you. Mahomes is now, after winning that game, in games that he trailed by 10 or 10 or more points at any point 
in either the regular season or the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes is now 15 and 11 in his career. You know, so first of all, only 26 of his just over 100 games started. He's ever been down by two scores, which is significant. But in those 26 games, he is now 15 and 11 after trailing by 10 or 10 or more points, which is kind of ridiculous. So that's about a 58 win percentage. Uh, And to give you a comparison, to give you a a reference point, Kurt Warner, um, two-time MVP and Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, Super Bowl champion Kurt Warner, um, his his career winning percentage is right at 58. So what that means is, is when Mahomes is winning, when, when when the team's playing well, he he's the best quarterback we've ever seen in terms of winning. He's over 80% win percentage, which is way above everybody. Uh, whenever he's down, whenever he gets down by two scores is when he regresses back to being just a Hall of Fame quarterback. Just He, he, he regresses back to being Kurt Warner when he when he's down by two scores in terms of how often he wins. So let that sink in for a minute. I know at this point in, in, Mahomes, in year number six for Mahomes, it's, it's very easy for us to just kind of take for granted how special he is. Um, and so I just want to make sure we, we don't forget and how, you know, some, some of these statistics that are just absurd um, of, of his, when he gets down two scores at only at that point, does he have a win percentage on par with, Again, two-time MVP and Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. So another one, another uh, statistic there for you to chew on. In terms of the game itself, uh, I think the other big significant thing from this game is that it kind of kind of a coming out party for Rasheed Rice. I know we, we've seen flashes of it from for here and there. Um, you know, I, I think he's got up to five touchdowns now in the year. So he's been used kind of spare. I don't know what the right word is, kind of in and out of the lineup here and there. Um, but he was clearly a focal point of the offense in this one. They were force feeding him the ball, which is what, as far as I'm aware, all of Chiefs Kingdom has been asking for pretty much all year. Um, from the minute the Chiefs lost to the Lions and they had seven drops to, the, I mean, to the Eagles game when they had another five or six, and everyone, the other receivers were not getting it done, and we're saying why can't why will we not throw the ball to Rasheed Rice? Well, we finally did it. You know. I think the reality is Andy Reid does not typically trust rookie receivers, which is the main reason it took so long. But I think after the Eagles game, Andy Reid probably recognized, you know, the deficiencies of the rest of the group and was kind of like Rice, although maybe he might still be learning the playbook. I mean, granted, he's been there seven months now, um, but maybe, he, you know, after learning the being involved in the offense for 11 weeks, you know, maybe he's got it figured out now, and he clearly got something figured out. You know, he went so he went over 100 yards for the first time, uh, scored a touchdown, and he is kind of emerging now as the clear number two option and the number one receiver on the Chiefs, which is great because if he can produce like that consistently, number one, it's gonna it's gonna take some of the pressure back off of Travis Kelsey because uh, we, we've seen the last couple of months now with, without the Chiefs having a real number one, Travis Kelsey has been double, triple teamed, whatever it might be. Like he is the entire focal point of every defensive game plan. But if Rasheed Rice is becoming, is, is continuing to stay the, the threat that he was against, o- or not Oakland, look at me, uh, Vegas, you know, 
the the rest of the league's in trouble because if Rasheed Rice is going to produce like that, it's only going to open things back up for Kelsey, and you're going to have kind of a two-headed monster there um, playing with Mahomes. So good luck, NFL. Have fun with that. Um, and then the other thing I noticed in this one, I think the, pl- the play calling has improved dramatically. I mean, you've heard me talk about this multiple times. The Some of the just the goofy little cute, play calls they drop on third and one when it's like a Blake Bell running a speed option to Kadarius Tony, whatever it might like the goofy things we see like that. I think the Chiefs are finally going away from that. Andy Reid is finally recognizing. I think he was probably listening. He must have listened to the podcast because you've heard me t- you've you've heard me say before, if it's third and one, and it's like one of those you just gotta pick this up. Just give it to Pacheco. I mean how often does he get tackled in the backfield? Right? It it doesn't happen that often. Right? Pacheco's not a guy that is really wowing everybody in terms of yards per carry like he's not breaking off a bunch of huge runs but it's one of those hit, hit what meets the eye it, it you know he's his he's playing better than what his numbers would suggest and that if, if he needs to pick up a yard he's going to and, and we've seen that the last couple of weeks Andy has started to, to go to Pacheco in these third and one situations more and more the last couple of weeks and it's been successful we've seen it work I mean the way he runs I mean he's not going to be denied he's not going to you're not going to get him in the backfield. And especially as the, as the game goes on, you get later in the third and fourth quarter. The guys are tired. Guys are worn down. Guys don't want to keep trying to tackle that freak. I mean, and I mean that in the most endearing way, like, you know, but he is, he's just a, he's just a train. He's a freight train and guys don't want to tackle him. Um, especially as the game goes on. And so the, that play on third and one is, is becoming more and more effective. And so I've, I've really enjoyed that Andy Reid has has taken my advice and started doing that more. So Andy, I appreciate you for for listening. Um, I also I, I am available if you need me for anything. I'm I, I'm a great water boy. Uh, I could be a great equipment manager. I can deflate balls, um, just like Tom Brady had. If you need that, I know how to do that. Anything you need, I'm your guy. Um, but thank you for for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, but and then the last last thing but not least. In terms of the, the game against the Raiders, the defense is still elite. Uh, they're fourth in yards per game. They're third in points per game, you know, um, and they're they're like less than a point behind the two teams in front of them. So they're re- I mean they're right there. And reality is that the defense they've proven to us t- time and time again they are elite. And so as the offense continues to to figure it out, and, and this game could very well have been a. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? A, a get right game, you know, where, where it's kind of like, okay, we, we got our rhythm back. We found Rasheed Rice. Uh, we got we got him going, and he's now our number two guy. He's going to be just as productive as Juju was a year ago, you know. We get the offense going. The defense is doing its thing. Once again, I mean, look out, NFL. Y'all are in trouble. <laughs> I tell you what, y'all are in trouble. Um, but anyway... As expected, I, I'm a little, I'm pretty high on, on the Chiefs still. Um, and from from what I've seen the last two games, they they did lose, they they lost the Eagles, and it was a bummer. But big picture, I think they walk away with some very encouraging signs, some some encouraging things to build on. Um, which kind of transitions me into what I want to talk about next, which is where we at with the player, the playoff picture in both the AFC and the NFC. And so, what I want to do, is, I'm going to read. Or I'm going to go through each team one by one, 
the teams that are currently in the playoff picture. So if the playoffs started today, uh, the seven teams from each conference who would be in. And then I'm going to just give you a quick little, I guess, a quick little note on each one of them on, on, on ter- in terms of where they are and like how likely they are, I think, to, to make it to the Super Bowl. Not necessarily win it, but um, and those teams' chances of, of winning their conference. Okay, so we're going to – let's go ahead and start with the NFC. Um, and we'll start down at the seven seed. You've got – Scratch that. I want to start with the AFC. I'm more excited about this. NFC is not great. In the AFC, the seventh seed right now is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, kind of fun, kind of frisky, not serious contenders, if I'm being honest. Um, Gardner Minshew, a fan favorite, but not that great. Not much to say. Browns, kind of similar. Another, I mean, a top three defense in the league. Great defense, but no QB. Deshaun Watson's hurt. They've got a fifth-round rookie playing, uh, and he got hurt last game, and so they are kind of they are not set up for success. And then even if they do find a way into the playoffs, they are still the Browns, and that is all you really need to know. The Steelers, and oddly enough, not too far. I mean, not that different from the Browns or the Colts. Uh, I, I kind of look at them as an off-brand version of the 49ers. Um, a great team besides the quarterback. Uh, the only difference between there is Brock Purdy's at least still pre- played well. I mean, you have some question marks about him moving forward, but Kenny Pickett has been one of the worst quarterbacks in football this season, statistically, um, and the eye test. Anything, any metric you want to use, he's just not been good. And so the Steelers somehow find themselves, I believe, now at seven and three, and in, in the five seed and well positioned to make the playoffs. But again, not a team that anyone I think has any fear of moving forward and it's more of just kind of a tip of the cap to to mike tomlin and how he continues to take mediocre rosters and turn them into teams that make the playoffs so shout out to tomlin um steelers though again not all that serious contenders uh, moving now into the division leaders you've got the dolphins who i think are a team I, they, they i look at them as a team that are going to have a huge wild card round at home and first round of the playoffs whether it's against the steelers the browns um, whoever they play in the first round, I think they're going to light up the scoreboard at home, you know, as uh, kind of what they do. Do the Tyreek's going to do a backflip, you know, grab someone's phone, take a selfie. It's going to be all fun and flashy. And then they're going to go to Arrowhead the following week and just get smoked. You know, it's going to be in Kansas city in January. It's going to be, you know, 11 degrees and the dolphins aren't really going to know how, what to do with that. So I'm not, you know, Again, Dolphins, they're going to have a huge, huge first round, and then that's going to be like it's kind of like be like their Super Bowl. You know, they want a playoff game, so that's that's what I expect to see from the Dolphins. Again, not a serious contender, um, and also backed up by the fact that they haven't beat anybody with a winning record this season. They've had their chances, and they just haven't really competed all that well. So, in the third seed right now is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, kind of a hard team to read, but I believe they have a higher ceiling than the Ravens, who are currently the one seed. Um, and the more I think about it, I kind of expect them to be the team that gets to go play the Chiefs in the Arrowhead Invitational. I I, I kind of like them in a head-to-head against Baltimore. Just as, I mean, I'll talk more about Baltimore later, but I, I, the Jags have continued to very much somehow fly under the radar at 8-3. and three. You know, I know they got smoked by the 49ers. Um, but uh, beyond that, though, they've still been beating other quality teams. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is starting to play better. The defense has been very underrated, and they have three re- very good 
pass catcher, pass catchers, Travis Etienne has been is is kind of turned into a top a fringe top five running back in the NFL. And they've kind of got a lot of pieces coming together uh, that I, the more I look at it, I kind of like them over the Ravens, especially if they're at home. Um, in the two seed right now is the Chiefs. Um, you, If you've listened to this before, if you've listened to the last 20 minutes, you know how I feel, how I feel about the Chiefs. Um, they are in the driver's seat. They're technically the two seed because the Ravens have not had their bye yet. But the Chiefs do still control their own destiny. Um, they have the tiebreaker with Baltimore because of conference losses. Um, and if we're being honest, the only way they don't go back to the Super Bowl is if they beat themselves. You know, the same way they've lost two of their three games this year was by beating themselves. The, the, the game against Denver was their one annual they-just-don't-show-up game. I mean, part of it was they turned it over five times, and that's kind of like beating yourself. But um, they really just they didn't have it that day, and they do that once a year, and they got it out of the way. The other two games were very classic. Like, they were better than the other team. They just beat themselves with, with silly penalties and turnovers. Um, and so if they don't do that, they're not going to lose again until the Super Bowl. And, and the other interesting thing about this is early on in the year, I heard a lot about how the Chiefs had had an easy schedule in the first couple of weeks. And they, you know, the, the gauntlet of their schedule was at the end of the season. But as we as it sits here now at the end of November and we look ahead, they have a pretty easy schedule moving forward. In all honesty, they have the, the Packers who are, eh, you know, they've had a couple decent wins, but they don't scare you that much. Buffalo at home. It's probably their most difficult game left. A team that is not that currently 10th in the AFC playoff picture at home is probably their toughest game left because they've still got the Raiders at home. They have, who am I forgetting? Oh, they've got New England on the road, who might be the worst team in football on Monday Night Football. They've got, this is all off the top of my head, they've got... One other team. They got Cincinnati at home, which again is not much of a, a, a game to worry about anymore. And the Chargers uh, on the road, which is still technically, you know, basically a home game for them. And so that the, they're they have what I heard yesterday was the now the easiest remaining schedule left in the NFL, or at least maybe the second easiest schedule remaining in the NFL, and. They actually have right now. They have the, the second most difficult strength of schedule of games played so far, and so the narrative that, that I heard all beginning of the season was that they they've only they're only playing the easy teams right now. They haven't beaten anybody, but when you look back at their schedule now, they've beaten multiple division winning team or division leading teams, um, playoff contenders, you know, and they've they, so they've already been through the gauntlet of their schedule, and, and they're still in control of their own destiny. Um. And I think they even still have a little bit of wiggle room. I think they could still lose one more because I don't. I don't expect Baltimore to win out. So if Baltimore loses one more and the Chiefs lose one more, the Chiefs would still be the number one seed in the AFC, which sets them up and puts them in great shape to you know host another AFC championship game and of course get back to the Super Bowl. Um, and also keep in mind the only quarterbacks to ever beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs are Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. As crazy as that is to say here. In year six in his career, they're the only two players to beat him in the playoffs. And I don't, you know, I don't think either one of those guys is going to be suiting up against the Chiefs in the playoffs. So I'm not too worried. Um, which brings me to 
the last team, or I guess I should say currently the one seed in the AFC, the Ravens, again, because they haven't had their bye. So they have one more win and the same amount of losses as the Chiefs. Uh, I, this is a team, I think they're likely to win a playoff game. But something about the, the matchups, again, we've seen Lamar be inconsistent in the playoffs. Uh, and the team, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. It's hard to put a pin in it. But it's just one of those things that kind of you kind of know it when you see it. This doesn't strike me as a team that is good enough to win three or four games in a row in January. And especially not good enough to go to Arrowhead and win. I mean, I do think they're a good matchup against the Chiefs. But but here's the big thing. is there, The loss of Mark Andrews for them is pretty devastating. I know Zay Flowers is, is turning into a pretty solid receiver. Um, but I don't think you want you know, a rookie receiver to be your number one option come January. Uh, that doesn't, uh, for a team that already does not pass the ball super well. Um, so I just don't think stars are all that aligned for the Ravens. You know, they've had some blowouts against some good teams recently, uh, but will that translate to the postseason? I'm not quite sure. I think they're a team that's likely to win a game in the postseason. And then at that point it's flip a coin, you know, who knows? I do. Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. On to the NFC. Um, we'll go through this a little quicker. Um, the wild card teams right now, the Vikings are currently working their way out of the playoff picture. Um, I think the clock may have struck midnight for Josh Dobbs. He's a great guy, likable guy. Um, but they are not going to be around much longer in this playoff picture. The Seahawks, I think, have had a slight regression from last year. They just they don't look quite as good as they did last year when they were surprising some teams. You know, they're still good enough to, to make the playoffs. They've got enough talent on the team to be a playoff team, but they're just not they don't have the the the, the horses, if you will, to compete with the top talent in the NFC. They're just not quite there. Uh, the Cowboys, in my opinion, are honestly the biggest threat to Philadelphia in the NFC. You know, they're they're a great team at home. Um, and I, honestly, I think whoever wins the NFC East is probably gonna win the conference. And right now the Eagles are set up to do that, so I do give them a slight uh, a slight edge because they're two games ahead of you know, of Dallas. Um, but the route the a big game coming up this weekend, San Francisco and, and Philadelphia. If if the 49ers can find a way to win that, then the the Eagles are only a game ahead of the Cowboys, and then the Cowboys play the Eagles the following week, and that it'll be in Dallas. And so at that point, they could be playing for the division. And so there, there's a lot, a lot of games left still to play. A lot still that can happen in the NFC race. But um, Cowboys, I do, you know, I know it, I'm not. Gosh, it's hard to hard to put words for them as well because they have they they smoke all the bad teams and then they lose to the good teams. But they're competitive with Philadelphia. It came down to the last play. So I think based on the matchups, I like their chances against Philadelphia better than anyone else in the NFC. But as of, as it sits right now, they're still the five seed, and I don't think that bodes totally all that well for them um, when it comes to the playoffs, the way they're structured. I, uh, wild card teams are not supposed to make deep runs in the playoffs, and I'm not sure I'd see Dallas winning three three games in a row against three good teams on the road. Um, you know, maybe we'll call it two teams though, because their first matchup, if it were today, would be on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, there's not a whole lot to say other than it's the NFC South, which is essentially just a one and done. You know, as we have come to ex- expect from the NFC South, whoever wins that division gets to host a playoff game and lose, probably to the Cowboys. 
And so that's currently the Falcons. It could end up being the Saints. It could be the Buccaneers if Baker's able to put together some kind of magical run. But whoever wins that division, it's a one and done. Not much else to say. The Lions are the three seed right now, uh, currently leading the NFC North. They are normally much better at home. Um, but two of their three losses this season have been at home. Uh, so it's it's a little confusing. You know, they lost the Thanksgiving Day game at home, and it really wasn't particularly all that competitive, um, which is just odd. So they're a team that has, they can come in and wow you. They can win a tough game, but they can also just kind of let you down. And so, I mean, compared to what Lions, the Lions have had in their, in their past, you know, it's great. It's great news for them they, to be able to go to host a playoff game in Detroit. When's the last time that happened? It's like, you know, I'm genuinely, I'm asking because I don't know. It's been, it's probably been decades. I, I don't really know. But we're likely to see that this year. And their team, again, I think likely to win one against whatever wildcard team comes to Detroit in, in round one. But then not a whole lot after that. I don't think they're quite there yet. But still a fun team to watch. And maybe they can maybe they can surprise somebody. Uh, and the two seed right now is the 49ers. Again, the excellent roster. We've talked about this before. All pros all over the field. Question becomes, can Brock Purdy come through in a tough environment in January? I mean, we, we've seen him be excellent when they're up by 14 points, and th- you know, as and there's not a whole lot of pressure on him, and he's and he's kind of surrounded by the Avengers. Um, but the question is, can he do it in the playoffs? If if he's down by four points and he's got a minute and a half and one timeout on the road in Philadelphia, does he have what it takes to to go down and score and win the game? Because that's just something we haven't really seen from him. Because he hasn't had to prove that. And so that's a question we may not have answered until we see it. You know. But again, they have the talent to be to go to the Super Bowl. If, if the pieces come together. If Brock Purdy turns out to be that guy. It's just going to be hard to know until we see it. And then the last team. Number one seed in the NFC. Of course is the Eagles. And, and the question I, I have for them right now. Is at what point. Will the, the teams that they're playing not hand them the games the way they have been the last couple weeks? Now, I, again, I might be biased, but we've watched each of the last two games that the Eagles have played against the Chiefs. That you know, if the Chiefs receivers can catch the ball, they probably win the game. If the Chiefs, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't just make a bad throw, they probably win the game. And the Chiefs kind of handed the game to the Eagles. You know, they were better and just kind of handed the game over. Uh, and to be honest, the same thing happened last week. Buffalo really just handed the game to the Eagles. You know, they had they, they one were one. They relied on a 59-yard field goal in the rain by Jake Elliott. You know, tip your cap. Your quarterback's only as good as his kicker. Uh, but it went to overtime, and the Bills had the ball, and Gabe Davis was wide open in the end zone. And I, I still am not sure. There was some type of miscommunication, whether it was a wrong route, whether Josh Allen read it wrong. They there was they just weren't on the same page. And Gabe Davis, who had his man beat by four yards, they just missed him, and he didn't score. And so, of course, then, you know, the Eagles got the ball back and went down, scored a touchdown, won the game. And so what we've seen the last two weeks, yeah, the Eagles have won. They beat they beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. Uh, they beat the Cowboys a, a few weeks before that. A big part of that was because Dak stepped out of bounds on the two-point conversion. And so it, the, these big games against, against good teams, uh, good teams and Buffalo – they're starting to stack up and we're seeing 
the other team making big mistakes that are handing the game to the Eagles. Which there's something to that. There there is something to the fact you're not going to be the team to make the big mistake to cost your team the game, you know. But the question then becomes: Will that happen in the playoffs? Are you just going to rely on the other team to make a mistake? Are you just going to sit around and wait? Um, in Call of Duty or Fortnite terms, are you just going to camp? Are you just going to wait for the sit there and wait quietly for the game to end? And you know, and all you have to do is eliminate one opponent at the end, and then bada bing, bada boom, you win the game. Or are they going to, you know, are they going to be the one to kind of be the aggressor and go and win the game rather than not be the one to lose it? So that that's what worries me a little bit about the Eagles right now. But, you know, once again, they're 10-1. It's worked so far. And, it, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it seems a little bit risky to me to to let that be what um, what you're relying on. But, you know what, again, that that's working for them, so... We'll we'll see. We shall see. Big picture for the NFL playoffs right now. I think there's five teams that have a realistic chance to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, And those teams are, in my opinion, in this order. Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, Ravens, and Cowboys. Uh, I I do think, you know, I've talked a little bit about all these teams, and I do think... I'm sure I'm biased, but no, I'm not. You guys know me. I'm perfectly objective. Um, the Chiefs do have the best route. They do have the best path to the Super Bowl right now. Um, they are going to have... They're on track right now. They're going to have the one seed, and they're probably going to host the AFC Championship game again, and they're going to have to win one tough game against a good team, whether it's the Ravens or the Jaguars. They've got one more tough game, most likely, in the playoffs. If they win that, they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. And, of course, in the NFC, it's more of a three-way race, especially if the Eagles lose this week to the Niners. Because at that point, then you have the Niners are in contention for the one seed. Uh, the Cowboys will then have an opportunity to beat the Eagles to, to maybe take the lead in the division. So there's still a lot that can happen in the NFC. Uh, whereas in the AFC, the, barring any injuries or any just total meltdown from the Chiefs, they are pretty much well on their way back to getting back to the one seed which is bad news for the rest of the AFC. So that's where we stand right now in the NFL, in the playoffs. Um, So, yeah, there you go. Moving on now to the college football side of things, the um, college football rankings, college football playoff rankings came out last night for, I guess it's the second to last time, the, the final and official rankings will be coming out this Sunday, after championship weekend is wrapped up, after the Friday and Saturday games have wrapped up, we'll get those final college football playoff rankings to see who's going to be in the tournament. As it stands right now, you've got Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State. And and I think those rankings are correct. You have four teams who are about to play in their conference championships, four teams who are undefeated. Um and so those are currently those teams do have the four best resumes of anyone in the Power Five, and I'm not even going to call it the Power Five. The Power Four, the Big Twelve is not very good. Um, so the Power Four between Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Washington, and Florida State, those are the four teams that are undefeated and about to win their conferences. Now, the question that comes up, I think, unfortunately, is if Florida State wins. You know, are they really one of the four best teams in the country? 
right? Because the whole idea behind the college football playoff was that the, the committee would, would get together and discuss and make sure the four best teams were in the playoffs, you know? Because if, if we were going to, if we want the, the algorithm, if we want AI to be the one deciding who's getting in, then we should just go back to the, the FBS, the, the bowl system, that just pick the two best teams based on the computer rankings, best, based on the FPI, the power index rankings, and you pick the two top teams, and, and you go from there. But I, you know, and so, you, again, you look at those teams' resumes, and Georgia, between Georgia, Michigan, and Washington, if, if all three of those teams win, they're for sure, you know, at 13-0. And even Florida State, I, I, I expect they would be in if, uh, if they win their game. But I just don't feel as good about that because of how they lost their quarterback, which it, it it's a bummer, you know it really is. But I just have a hard time believing that they're one of the four best teams in the country without him. You know, watching the game against Florida last week, they were playing against Florida's backup quarterback, and they also had a handful of guys injured, and they just did not look to me like a playoff team. I know they found a way to win, but. And I think the reality is if they if they find a way to beat Louisville, who's a top 15 team as well, they're probably still going to be in. But if I'm being honest, I don't expect that to happen. Uh, I think that the reality is I, I honestly think Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, and, and Alabama, they all have realistic arguments right now to say that they're better than Florida State. Uh, and I think any four of those teams being in over Florida State would make for a more entertaining playoff. And I would personally like to see that. But again, if Florida State does manage to win it at 13-0 and ACC champion, they're probably still going to be in. Um, but again, I don't necessarily think that's what's going to happen. Um, so uh, across the, the championship games this weekend, I, I like Georgia to win. I like Michigan to win and it just destroying Iowa. I, I, I do think Oregon is going to beat Washington. I, I've been pretty high on Washington all year long. Um, but the last couple games have been a little iffy. Haven't moved. They haven't been the same dominant team they were most of the year. Um, and for whatever reason, Oregon is actually a six-point, or maybe the, no, it was a nine-point favorite over Washington. I'm going to pull that up right now just to check. But that one really shocked me as undefeated at Washington as a nine-point underdog against. Okay, I'm pulling it up against Oregon in the championship. Pulling it up as we speak. Where's it at? Um, yeah, nine and a half. Um, kind of crazy. Well, depending on what sports book you look at, but they're basically eight and a half to nine and a half point favorites. Oregon is, which is, you know, I think they're seeing the same thing that I am is that Washington has not looked quite as good recently where Oregon has looked really good recently. Um, and so again, all that being said, I do, I kind of expect Oregon to win, more so because I trust Vegas because they don't really get things wrong that often, if I'm being honest. But so that being said, I like Georgia, I like Michigan, I like Oregon to beat Washington. And then honestly, I would not be shocked if Louisville beat Florida State. Uh, you know, Florida State got all they could handle from a non bowl eligible Florida team. Uh, and Louisville, who I think is also a bit overrated, but they are still a top 25 team. I wouldn't be shocked if they win and beat Florida State in the championship, which at that point, if Florida State loses, they're not going to be in um, because they've lost their quarterback. And if that happens, I think Texas is going to beat Oklahoma State and come in and claim that fourth spot. 
So I would not be shocked to see Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas. That That's kind of where I feel like this is headed. Um, my main thing now is what I really don't want to see, assuming those are the teams that win, is I really do not want to see Ohio State be in the champ or in the Final Four. You know, the the committee has told us in the past that they really emphasize winning your conference championship. And for Ohio State, they're in a spot now they can't really do that. You know, where Georgia, Michigan, and even Alabama, assuming if they were to beat Georgia, it would still have a better claim than Ohio State, given the tougher... Well, I don't know about the schedule. I'd have to check that. But they have a better record because they have they, they won their conference championship and they both only have one loss. You have to give the nod to Alabama in that, that scenario. Um, and... And then it would be it would more be of a question of like, do you give a one loss Georgia team the nod over a one loss Ohio State when Georgia at least made their conference championship? And so things get kind of messy if Alabama wins, but if Georgia wins wins, I think it's pretty simple that you got Georgia, Michigan, and the the whoever wins Washington versus Oregon, I think is going to be in. And then again, I just don't really want to see Texas or sorry, I don't want to see Ohio State get in. I know they they had a good game last year in the playoff, but I just I don't see it. If they're going to tell us how important it is to go to and win your conference championship, I don't think you can reward an Ohio State team that didn't make their championship just for not playing, just for not losing in a conference championship. So, yeah. So that's that's what I have to say about that. I Again, my prediction, Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll follow up next week when we, and we'll talk about who's in and then from there go on saying how it's going to end and what the the CFP bracket is going to end up looking like. So that is where I think it's headed. So a lot of football, big football week, and quite honestly, a big football month and a half to two months ahead. Um, and who doesn't love football, am I right? Well, actually, I know a handful of people that don't like football, but they're probably not listening to this. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Um, thank you again for listening. Um, lots of things heating up. And football, is, well, college football, There's a, when you think about it, there's only a handful of games. There's a couple conference championship games left and then the bowl games. So um, we're getting to that time of year. But that also means that the stretch run of the NFL is upon us where the games really matter. Um, the contenders are separated from the pretenders, a.k.a. the Chiefs are going to start separating themselves and, you know, turning back into the team we know that who they are, turning back into the team that we know that they are. Um, so pretty much that, that time of year. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and finish up with the office quote of the week. I think this is the first time this person has been on here. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you. The quote is, every Halloween I tell him, him being Dwight, the same thing. You can't bring weapons into the office. And every year he says the same thing. As soon as I get my weapons back, I'm going to kill you. But there I am at Thanksgiving, alive. You know, I'm a lucky turkey. Which was said, of course, by Toby Flinderson. I think that, uh, that might be his debut here on the Office Quote of the Week. So shout out, Toby. Um, and I, I say that one because here I am, me, Ben. I go by Ben. Uh, I'm here at uh, past Thanksgiving, alive. You know, lucky turkey. Didn't eat well. I didn't feel great um, because of how much food I ate after Thanksgiving. But I am still alive here a week after Thanksgiving. And so I thought that was appropriate. 
another there's another free office quote for you. So anyway, that's gonna that's gonna do it for me. I'm gonna wrap it up before I start rambling about other office quotes. Once again, thank you for listening. Um, shout out to the listeners. Um, you guys are the best. Um, and as always, uh, let me know if you have any thoughts about college football playoff, NFL, other sports you want to hear more about. Because I'm a man of the people. So thank you all for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Uh, so until next time, as always, go Chiefs. <laughs>